So, this week, uh, actually last week, we were getting ready for bath time in my house. I have three young children, uh, one of whom is, is here in the back there. Hi, James. Um, and all of a sudden, as we were getting ready for bath time, I heard a loud click, followed by very loud screams. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? And I looked over, and in the bath, um, Anne, our eight-year-old, was, was screaming. And when I looked at James, he started crying. And I was like, what is going on? What happened? What is going on? I couldn't figure out what had gone on. And eventually... After the screams died down, I figured out that the click was this little plastic clip that they were playing with, and James accidentally, maybe, <laughs> clipped his sister with it. And I can imagine that must have really hurt. And so I, after, again, and there was, a, so there was a lot of crying, there was a lot of screaming, and, and, and finally I was, I was glad to know that that was the cause, right? Because I'm like, what in the world is going on out there? And, and so after things had kind of calmed down a little bit, I, I took James and, and I, I said, hey, buddy, so um, what do you think we need to say to your sister because of what happened? Like, you, it looks like she got kind of hurt in that process, right? And he was a little bit bashful, right? And said, didn't really say anything. I said, how about if we say, I'm sorry? <laughs> and so reluctantly, I lead him over to Ann. I, we go in the room, and he comes up to Ann and says, sorry. I said, buddy, can you tell her what, you're, what are you sorry for? I don't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's try again. It's good to be sorry. Can you tell her what you're sorry for? Finally, sorry, and pinched you. Thank you, buddy. That's what we do when we hurt somebody. We apologize, right, pal? That was great. Thank you for doing that. It took a little while to get there, though, didn't it? <laughs> Why is it so hard for us sometimes to admit when we have wronged someone? Why is it so hard to tell the truth about the actions that we have done that might have caused hurt for someone else? Well, that's what we're going to explore today. Why is it so hard to tell the truth and to ask for forgiveness? So as a recap of this sermon series, we're continuing in our sermon series, Redeeming Our Mess, today. It's the fifth Sunday in Advent already, which is a little bit hard to believe. Next week is Palm Sunday, and then Holy Week and Easter. So we're only two weeks away from Easter. But right now, we are still very much in the season of Lent, and we, are, we have talked these past several weeks about several things that kind of get in the way, like the things that, that sin causes in our lives, that, that sin does in the world that affects our relationship with God and our ability to connect with God and to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength as we are called to do. And so the first week in Lent, we looked at our masks of perfection, the things that we, that we do to hide our sin and to pretend like we're all good, like the, the stuff you post on social media, right? Like, hey, look how, look how awesome our lives are. Um, we talked about that mask of perfection. After that, we talked about grasping. What are the things that we cling to? What are the things that we hold on to other than God? And how does that cause a mess in our lives? And then we looked at identity. 
And we reminded ourselves that we don't find identity in, in what we do for work. We don't find it in our status. We don't find it in our job title. In our, uh, we don't find it in anything else other than that we are beloved children of God. That is our primary identity. And last week we talked about shame and guilt. And what are the things that we, because of sin in our lives or in the world, what are the things that we carry around in our backpacks that, that we maybe don't need to carry. And we talked about the difference between guilt and shame and, and, and how is it that we can come to, to lay down that shame because that's not something that God meant for us to carry. Jesus carried that all to the cross. And so we talked about that last week. Today we're going to talk a little bit more about how do we actually do that? How do we, how do we lay that down? How do we tell the truth about who we are and who God is, and receive forgiveness as we confess and repent. And again, this is a very Lent thing for us to do. This is a season of, of, of turning and asking, God, how can I connect better with you? What, what role did I have in putting you on the cross, Jesus? And so as we reflect on that this morning, we talk about telling the truth, about confession and forgiveness and how that brings us freedom and light. So we're going to begin uh, by reading from 1 John chapter 1, starting in verse 5. 1 John chapter 1, starting in verse 5. Let's see what the Lord has for us today. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and the word is not in us. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. God is light, and in God there is no darkness. In biblical language and in biblical imagery, when we read about light, what that symbolizes is truth and righteousness. Darkness symbolizes error or evil. And so when we read that God is light, we, read, we, we understand that to mean that God is truth. God is righteousness. God is right relationship. God is holiness. And God reveals to us, by virtue of being light, reveals to us the ways in which we are in error, in darkness, in sin. If we claim we have fellowship with God and yet walk in the darkness... We lie and do not live out the truth. Have you ever had a time in your life in which you are walking 
in darkness? Things that maybe you have kept secret from others or would be embarrassed if they got out in public? Things that you wouldn't want others to know about you? We've all been there. And I think it's interesting that sometimes we think that uh, we can keep those secrets even from God. Of course, we know that that's not true. God sees our hearts, it says, throughout all of Scripture. Uh, Psalm 139 is one good place. Search me and know my, and, and know me, know my heart, Scripture says. But even still, sometimes I think we're reluctant to admit those things in our hearts that, that keep us from connecting with God. And what does that feel like to carry that burden? What does it feel like to carry that darkness with us? That's what we're going to look at today. I, I want to read from a, a very famous confession from one of the early church fathers. This is from Augustine. He wrote a book called Confessions in which he detailed kind of the, the, his story of coming to know the Lord. There's a whole lot of stuff in there. I encourage you to read it. Let me give you just a couple of the highlights. He says that beyond anything else, he longed to love and to be loved. Beyond anything else, he wanted to live without restraint before he came to know the Lord. He describes bubbling impulses of purity befogged and obscured my heart. Precipitous rocks of desire submerging me in a whirlpool of vice was tossed about in my fornications. It was a fleeting experience of beauty in the lowest things. You know they call him Saint Augustine, right? And I start with that example, not not because we might necessarily be be able to relate to it. Maybe we can. But also, just to let you know that the Bible is full of, humanity is full of saints and sinners, You and I, saints and sinners at the same time. That's who we all are. And even in the midst of that, remind you that nothing that we have done or could do can separate us, as Paul says, from the love of God in Christ Jesus. St. Augustine knew that well, despite the struggles that he names very publicly in his confessions. But I think there's a lot of ways that we walk in darkness. And again, some of them we're we're ready to admit. Some of them we're ready to just kind of leave in the darkness and hide. And then some of them I think we just don't even think about what the effects of sin in our lives might be and, and the toll that that takes on us and the ways in which that gets in the way of our relationship with God. And so it might not be a big thing. Like last week, we looked at the story of David and he committed adultery, he committed murder. <laughs> I, those are things that I, not all of us do that, right? Um, and yet, this was a man after God's own heart. Same thing with Augustine, right? We read you just some of what he was feeling and experiencing, and yet we call him Saint Augustine, one of the fathers of the early church. And so what are some of the other ways in which we live in darkness? We walk in darkness. We try to hide things from God and from one another. It might not be big ways. It might be little things. Uh, What about the the, the sort of the second half of the the Ten Commandments, right? What about lying or, or stealing or cheating? 
If you think you're uh, above that or, or, or you don't participate in that, I, I mean, it's, it's tax season now, right? <laughs> have you gotten your taxes in yet? <laughs> Here's an interesting story about taxes. If you have read the, the book uh, by Tom Berlin, Restored, that's the, that's the book that this sermon series is kind of based on. And if you've read that, he, he tells the story uh, that in 1987, there was a change in the tax law that required you to provide the social security number for all of the children that you are claiming as dependents. And overnight, or through the course of that tax season, seven million children disappeared in the United States. <laughs> they weren't abducted, they didn't disappear. Nothing happened. It was just that when it was time to actually write a social security number, people had claimed different things. What about... What about the, the part of the Ten Commandments, one of the last couple of commandments about coveting? We don't talk about coveting a lot, but that's wanting something that someone else has. Have you ever experienced that? Have you ever looked next door or down the street or wherever to your friends that you, that you know and say, man, I, I wish I had a marriage like that. I wish I had a house like that. I wish my car we spent $3,000 on our car this week for like standard repair. I wish I didn't have to do that. I wish I had a new car. Have you ever done that? Have you ever looked at what your neighbor has and, and coveted that and said, man, I wish I had. Did you know that that's also sin? How about greed? Do you struggle with greed? I think that one's a little harder to define sometimes or, or maybe a little bit harder to admit to. If you, if you think you don't struggle with it, let me ask you this. Did you receive a stimulus check this week? Or, or is one on the way? And, and, and what was your first thought when you got that? Was it, man, I can't wait to bless somebody else with this? Or was it, I got stuff, I got bills to pay. I wonder if there's an invitation in there to confess our sins. There's such a long list of, of things that we carry with us, that we, that we try to, to hide or we think we can hide, uh, uh, um, gluttony, addiction, things that we reach for other than, than God, how we spend our time. Do, do we spend all of our time focused on ourselves or, or are we actually involved in, in serving and, and caring for widows and the orphans and the poor in the world? These are things that scripture commands us to do, right? I, I, what do we pray about? Are, are our prayers just a, a laundry list of things God, can you fix this? Because <laughs> I'm having a hard time with this. Can you fix this? Are they for us? Are they for others? I know they're for both, but I'm just trying to show you that there are ways in which we pray. Um, there are ways in which we think about how we invest our time, our money, our talents, um, everything, that if we're not careful, we can find ourselves walking in the darkness. Let me ask you this question. What do you spend time thinking about? If I asked you this question, what do you want more than anything else in the world right now? How would you answer that? What do you want more than anything else in the world? If I could just have this. Now, you all know the, the, the church answer for that, right? The, the, the right answer, it's Jesus, right? That's the Sunday school answer. If you didn't answer Jesus, you are a sinner. Uh, me too. <laughs> but for real, the greatest commandment, God says, is, is love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. 
That's what God wants us to be striving for. That's what God wants us to reach out toward. That's what God wants us to walk toward, the light. That's hard to do. But I don't bring up all of these things to make you feel guilty. Um, or me <laughs> feel guilty. Because it's not just, it's all of us. We all struggle with this. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. The, way, the reason I'm bringing these up is because sometimes when we are struggling with these things, even if we're not aware of it, we are unable to receive God's best for our lives. We're unable to live into the abundant life that Christ promises us. An unconfessed sin keeps us in darkness. Unconfessed sin makes us unable to see and experience the light. It, 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 it makes us captive to shame and guilt. We're not meant to live that way. And I'll just mention this too. A lot of times though, this is how the enemy would prefer that we live. To stay focused on the things that we don't have. To tell us that, hey, you better not expose that thing. You better not admit to that. You better keep that to yourself. Because why? Because no one would love you. Because they would out you as a fraud. You, you wouldn't be able to, you know, all of those voices, right, that, that keep that shame and guilt upon us. The enemy loves that. But we are not meant to carry that. And so how do we move beyond it? Let's take a look at Psalm 32, verses 1 through 7. Psalm 32, verses 1 through 7. This is a psalm of David, as it were. And he says this, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. And here's what happens when we hold our sin inside. Verse 3, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. And remember, this is a psalm of David, right? He knew something about holding sin and carrying it. And then what happened? Verse 5, Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. While I kept silent, my bones wasted away. My strength was sapped. And then I acknowledged my sin to you. I confessed my transgressions, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. When we are caught in the mess of our lives, when we are caught walking in the darkness, when we are caught carrying those things that we can't seem to let down, God's encouragement to us this morning is confess 
your sins. Confess your sins, and in so you will receive redemption and light and salvation through forgiveness. So I wonder, what do you hear when you hear confess your sins? Are there associations that you have maybe because of the church tradition that you grew up in? I know for some people that word confession itself carries a lot of weight, right? Confess your sins. What is your experience with confession? Well, maybe, like I said, a lot of us have different experiences depending on how we have practiced it. Maybe it's something formal and liturgical like we do here in our traditional service where we confess our sins together. Maybe you've done that so long that it just feels like you're just checking off a box. I know there are certain traditions that you've, maybe if you've grown up in, uh, confession just became this thing that you had to do to be a good Christian, right? And did I go to confession this week? Yes, I did. Thank you very much. That's not what God wants from us, from confession. That's not what God offers us through confession. Confession is, this is what confession means. It means agreeing with the Holy Spirit that something is wrong in us. Agreeing with the Holy Spirit that something is wrong with us. Wesley calls this justifying grace. It's, it's grace that acknowledges our sin. It's grace that, that opens up our eyes to the things that are wrong in our lives, the things that get in the way of our relationship with God, the things that, that point out that we are out of alignment with God. And confession is agreeing, yes, <laughs> yes, I am guilty. Yes, it's that thing in your spirit that tells you that, Right? God's spirit that convicts you of the wrong that we've done. So when we agree with that and we bring it before God, that's where we receive forgiveness. That's where we receive freedom. That's where we are able to set down that backpack and move forward. So, but like I said, depending on your, your tradition, it may be, uh, confession in the church has an interesting history. Uh, in the early church, up to about 500 or so A.D., Christians were required to publicly confess their sins, like stand out in the middle of it, and, and especially if they were uh, serious sins like adultery or idolatry or, or murder, they were subject to a period of, of discipline that was laid on them from the church leaders. And so, um, so should we try that this morning? Who wants to go first? Who wants to publicly? Just go ahead and stand up. We can get you a microphone. <laughs> Some of you are pointing at each other. I saw that. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> yeah. We read a couple weeks, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. Don't you remember that one? But no, that's what confession looked like in the early church. And, and by the Middle Ages, it became more of a private matter. You would go to confession with a, with a priest or with a religious leader and confess your sins one-on-one. And, and, and that practice is still ongoing today in, in the Roman Catholic tradition and the Orthodox tradition. Um, but the idea that there needed to be some sort of mediator between you and God, uh, that was something that kind of fell out of favor in the, in the Reformation period. Luther didn't think that was necessary. You, Christ gave the authority to forgive sins um, to all believers. And, so, and yet he still had a confessor every, every day of his, or every week of his life, he confessed to somebody uh, in private. And then, so in the past 500 years, we've moved kind of more toward corporate confession, which is what we do here, uh, especially during the traditional service. We have a, a period of time where we confess our sins together. Uh, we also, nowadays, uh, tend to encourage us, encourage one another to have people that we can confess 
too. I have a group of guys that I went to seminary with, and we share everything that's going on in our lives. And here's the reason why we do this, both the corporate confession and the private confession. Because it offers us an opportunity to leave that shame behind. And it's it's more than... um, one of the reasons we do it in public and, and, and in private with one another is because it gives us a chance to hear and to say out loud these things that are weighing us down. And there's something sacramental about that. I mean, the, the rite of confession and reconciliation, as it's called in the Catholic Church, it is a sacrament. For us, we don't see it quite that way, but there's something very sacramental about that process, naming your sin out loud and allowing someone to tell you, you are forgiven. And we do that here, right? When we do, when we, when we lead the confession together, we, we, we say the confession, and then I pronounce in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven, and then all of you tell me the same thing. And my wife loves that part, because she's like, how come it takes all the congregation to forgive you? What's up with that? Yeah. <laughs> if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins... God is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven. Blessed, happy, joyful. That's the result of exercising the gift of confession. Finding joy in the truth about who we are, but finding joy in the truth about who God is and what God has done on our behalf to free us from that shame and guilt. Later on in, in, the, in the same book, in the Confessions book, Augustine says this, How sweet all at once was it for me to be rid of those fruitless joys which I had once feared to lose. How sweet it was to be rid of those fruitless joys I had once feared to lose. You drove them from me. You who are the true, the sovereign joy. You drove them from me and took their place, you who are sweeter than all pleasure. Now, I know some of you have asked before, and you might be wondering now, why do we have to confess regularly? Didn't, didn't Christ take care of all of that sin? When, when, we, when we take our backpack off and lay it down at the foot of the cross, isn't that taken care of? And the answer is an emphatic yes, absolutely. Christ on the cross forgave all sin for all time. The reason that we confess is because we continue living into those confessions. We continue to sin every week. Even though the sin is taken care of, there's something in us that will benefit from God's invitation to confess. There's something in us that by speaking the words out loud, God, there are ways that I am falling short. Save me. God continues to work grace in our lives and continues to grant freedom. It's like baptism. When we baptize a little child, oftentimes uh, they're, they're baptized in these gowns that are really too long for the child. And the reason is because they are baptized, they are claimed, they are marked and sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit until the day of their redemption. But between that day when they receive the water and the day that Jesus calls them home, they are living into the promises of that baptism. And it's the same thing with forgiveness. It's a continual process of, 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 of remembering, of turning to God, of seeking freedom and new life through repentance. 
and forgiveness. Augustine, by the way, uh, famously postponed his baptism as he was learning to know the Lord um, because he wanted to keep living in sin for just a little bit longer. <laughs> it's a very, it's a famous prayer uh, where he says, Lord, make me chaste. Make me holy. Make me a Christian. But just not yet. <laughs> These are our saints. Right? Saints and sinners, every one of us. Confession is an invitation to examine, to turn back, to repent, to draw closer to God, to reach for the light that is God. Now, I hesitate to bring this out because I'm a little bit ashamed of it. Um, this is a plant that I have in my office. And Gail Bastrash gave this to me years ago, and it was about eight times more full and, and beautiful and thriving. Um, Gail, I'm sorry, I've done my best. The reason I'm bringing the plant out is because it sits on a shelf in my office uh, and it sits about, I don't know, maybe 10, 12 feet from the window. And what it does naturally is there's something inside this plant that knows to reach toward the light. Something about the way that God designed plants tells them, hey, I need nutrients, I need energy, I need to be able to grow. And the way that I get that is by reaching for the light. And so if it's been a while since I have rotated the plant, you'll see that it, all, of the, all of the leaves lean toward the window, right? Anybody who grows plants knows this is true. And I just think that is such a beautiful image for us this morning. The best way for us to grow in our faith is to reach for the light. Because when we do that, when we reach for the light, first of all, if we are reaching for light, we're not grasping on to anything else. If we are reaching for the light, we're not holding on to secrets in our heart and keeping ourselves walking in the darkness. If we are reaching for the light, we are acknowledging God's faithfulness to hear our confessions just as we are and to love us just as the same. As we reach for the light, we are in an open posture saying, Lord, forgive me. Restore to me, as David said in Psalm 51, the joy of my salvation. And we are open to receiving that light, that hope, that restoration. And so that is our invitation from Scripture today, remembering that God is light, and in, and in God there is no darkness at all. And if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, purifies us from all sin. I want to invite the ringers to come back up forward and lead us in a time of contemplation and remembrance a time for us to remember the things that we would rather keep hidden in our hearts, the things that we would rather stay in darkness and not be exposed to the light. And so when you came in, you received a little brown piece of paper and a pen. I invite you to write those things on that paper. And again, this is between you and the Lord. And at home, I invite you to take out your canvas and write down the things that keep you 
in the darkness. Take this time in silence and reflect and remember and confess before God.